Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We are back. It's Monday here on Fantasy NBA Today. We continue our tour de force of industry pros. We'll be talking to Mike Barner on today's podcast. I am Dan Bespris. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. I think this is off-season episode 126, but I truly now have lost track. And you likely don't give a flying hoot because we are 15 days from the start of the NBA season. An absolutely insane thing that I just got to say out loud and makes me feel so good to say it. We've got Rumors that the Lakers might now pull the trigger on the Russ to Indiana deal. It's not official as of yet. It would probably take multiple first-round picks to get it to happen. But damn, we've all known this is the one that makes the most sense. Miles Turner next to Anthony Davis is amazing. Buddy Heald next to LeBron James is amazing. As a Laker fan, I'm stoked. As a fantasy enthusiast, this is another reason why you should have your drafts as late as humanly possible. Because this trade, if it goes down, would completely change the way you look at the Indiana front court, the way you look at the Indiana wings, the way you look at Buddy Heald in particular. Miles Turner would take a, a little shift, but I, you know, of all the names involved, he probably changes the least. And then you completely wipe out any other Lakers centers because they had a bunch of guys that were going to be kind of competing for the play alongside Anthony Davis part of the proceedings. The news as of right now is just that the Lakers are still considering the offers. We kind of all know that that's to be the case, so let's just keep our ears to it. Preseason has started. Games are happening. We've got rotation things starting to appear. Although, it's important to note here that as preseason goes, do not pay much attention to it. All the stories that come out, all the puff pieces, none of that really matters. What you are looking for in the preseason, and I know we're doing fantasy before the fantasy today. I wanted to do these, these quick little footnotes before we dive into the guest part of the, the, this Monday show, because this is actually really important fantasy information. The preseason is crap. It's not 100% crap, but it's mostly crap. It's like 97% crap. The 3% you can take away from the preseason is player health. That's most of it. That's like 2.8% of that 3% is player health stuff. Are the guys you're wondering about actually well enough to play in preseason games? Like we have word that uh, Ben Simmons is expected to play for the Sixers or the uh, against the Sixers, I guess I should say, for the Nets. Sorry, easy to make that mistake, isn't it? Tonight, there's a report that came out that Rudy Gobert and Cat might have their minutes staggered a little bit, and that's all well and good, but they are going to start the game together. So, like, a lot of this stuff, that's a perfect comparison of news that might matter a little bit and news that shouldn't. Because as much as the Wolves say they're going to stagger their minutes, yeah, that's fine. Like, Gobert will come out at the five, four or five-minute mark of the first quarter. Cat will stay in for the rest of the period, and then Gobert will start the second when Cat is out, and stuff like that. Like, that's obvious. Cat is the backup center on that team. We knew that already, and we've already made the adjustments for the fact that those two guys can't be on the court every minute together because then 
the backup center is someone farther down the pecking order behind Cat. We knew that already. It's just like a, a more clever way to say it. Wolves have been putting out a lot of stuff so far. By the way, I think they're going to be interesting this year at the very least. But like the, you know, Gobert and D'Angelo Russell have instant amazing chemistry. Blep. Don't care. Preseason fluff. But Ben Simmons expected to play. That's interesting. Because one of my big issues with drafting Ben Simmons in any format is how, what is this dude like right now? How is his head space more than anything else? So that's a health thing. Other health questions may be answered as we work our way through it. The 0.2% of that 3% that I didn't account for in health is uh, starters, which we'll know by the end of preseason. The people that are starting the first preseason game or the second preseason game, that's not necessarily the starting lineup that you're going to get towards the end. But at some point, a team is going to be like, oh, this is the lineup we're probably going to run out on opening night. And that will be a piece of data we can take away. Like, for instance, over the weekend, we saw Kelly Olynyk start for the Utah Jazz. If that's a thing that holds through the preseason, he becomes a very interesting late-round flyer as a guy that maybe plays a little more until Utah goes into full tank mode. And then you see more Walker Kessler. I don't know how much Cody Zeller you're going to see on that team, uh, but that's something to keep an eye on. So that's the point to... Health at 2.8 and then 97% of stuff is just like, who cares? Because the minutes are going to be all over the map. The stories are going to be all over the map. Uh, some guys are going to play well. The Suns lost to, uh, I believe that was an Aussie team yesterday, right? Doesn't mean much. You know, Trey Jones played 21 minutes. All these things are, you, you sort of just push them aside a little bit, okay? We take little pieces. It's kind of like Summer League. You take little pieces for your handicapping, but you don't let the preseason blow up all the work you've done. I thought that was actually really important fantasy stuff. I wanted to get in right at the front end of today's show. I didn't even tell you guys where you can find me. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I know this is a really important time to put that out there because this is the time of year where a lot of you are finding this podcast for the first time. So first of all, welcome. Pleasure to have you. Big thank you, as always, to everyone for making this far and away the most listened to offseason of all time in the history of this show. And, like, it's not even close. We had a lot of months where the offseason listenership was up, like, 80 to 90%. I don't think that's going to hold as we get into the season, but who the hell knows. And also, last year I did weekend shows in October. I'm not. That can't happen this year with with... That was something I was able to pull off while there were still like sort of remnants of COVID life. It was mostly start it was starting to dissipate at that point, but like it was still kind of hanging around a little bit. But like now kid functions are back in full swing and we have two of them. So there's just there's no time for weekend shows right now. My apologies. Uh but please do find me on Twitter. I don't do as much during draft season on Twitter as I do during the regular season. This is a time where I want to try to steer everybody to the podcast and steer everybody to Sports Ethos. That's Those are the guys that are putting in the damn hours and a couple really, really important pieces of information on that front. Uh, to answer some questions, Sports Ethos projections are out today. So the official projections, these are also done by Aaron Bruski in addition to the B-150. Uh, the projections are out 
They are out for all members, basically. Unless you got like just a wager pass or just a DFS pass, you'll have access to projections. So draft guide buyers, you guys have them. Uh, Fantasy pass subscribers, that's our most popular plan. Doesn't have the B150 yet, draft guide either, but does have access to projections right now. Obviously, Ethos 360 does. Um, Old school bundle got access to the Brewski 150 this morning as well. So that's the second plan that has access to the B150. So let me try to just condense that into... This is the worst promotional read of all time. If you want the B150, there are now two ways to get it. You can get an Ethos 360 plan, or you can use our newest coupon. It's Brewpon 2. It's the critically acclaimed sequel to the Brewpon 1. B-R-U-P-O-N, combination of Brewski and Coupon. Brewpon, and the number 2, gets you the first month for free on an old school bundle. Old School Bundle has the Fantasy Pass and the Wager Pass, which personally, that's actually my favorite combo because I love fantasy and I love sports betting and I don't really play DFS. Sorry, DFS guys. Uh, So the Old School Bundle, Fantasy Pass, and Wager Pass, first month free with promo code BRUPON2. I believe that's good today and tomorrow. So this is your last chance to get a ton off on an Old School Bundle. And I will tell you this, this is the last coupon of draft season. There will not be another one until after the season starts. So if you're waiting on Fantasy Pass, whatever, there's not going to be a coupon for that. This is the last one. All right, we talked preseason action and how to handicap it. We talked what's going on over at Sports Ethos. Let's talk to today's guest. The second annual appearance of our next guest. He brings with him the 11 slot in our industry mock and... Always excited to welcome back to the show. I'm just gonna call you by your your Twitter handle instead of your just your name. I assume a lot of people do that to you now. Roto Mike Barner. Uh, I assume your first name is Roto. Your middle name is Mike. Your last name is Barner. Am I getting that right? Yeah, my parents knew I was gonna be doing this, so they figured it'd be easier <laughs> just to name me Roto. Is that um, short for something? Like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, nobody wants to call me Rotisserie Barner, so you know, they figured. <laughs> It's a little bit easier that way. I feel like I want to. <laughs> that, I want to do like the uh, Dumb and Dumber line and say, mm, "That sounds delicious." Uh, <laughs> so not that kind of rotisserie, huh? Well, either way, the very appropriately named Mike Barner, Roto Mike Barner, at just throw an at in front of that. You can find him on social media. Back on the show, how you been, man? How's the last year treated you? Good, good. Thanks a lot for having me on. I'm looking forward to doing this again. And yeah, it's the NBA season has snuck up on us quickly. Yeah, uh, we had that lull there after all the Kevin Durant rumors that nothing materialized, and now we're we're about ready to go here. What would we have done with our off season without I Kevin know. Durant leaving and then staying and then leaving and staying and then leaving and then staying? <laughs> that would have really been quiet in there. I kind of forgot, Mike, what a normal length off season feels like, and it feels yeah. long. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird now. It's it's now it snuck up quickly, and I do baseball and football content too so i'm gonna have like a little bit of overlap where there's all three sports going so it's 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 gonna be a little bizarre but i'm looking forward to it you're an insane person i was just talking to thunder dan who also covers all three i don't know how you guys do it i'm i'm so wiped at the end of the nba season (laughs) that i can't do anything uh i mean i still do the show but it's all like season and review stuff basically i i can't like pick up a projection idea for two months after it's over and you got to just 
forget dive into a different sport after it's done. You got to get into your next sport while the other one is still happening. I don't know how you guys balance it. Yeah, it's uh, luckily this is my full time job, so I'm very thankful for that. And uh, also, luckily, I have a very patient wife uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who doesn't mind me family. watching every game possible and having my face apparently glued to my phone for Twitter all the time. So. There's all, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine because <laughs> I'm glued to it just watching NBA news, which I mean, nobody brings drama like basketball, but you got, oh yeah, that's so much in baseball. Every team plays every dang day. That's. Ooh, that's a lot. Anyway, um, well, we're talking basketball on this one, so we can you can shut down two corners of your brain for just a moment. <laughs> uh, just use the one. You had the 11 pick in our industry mock, and you got a player at 11 that probably shouldn't have been there at 11 and probably won't be anymore because in the, like, what is it, about a week and a half since this thing started – Yahoo has adjusted him up to the middle of the first round where he was kind of going anyway. And that is James Harden, who joked that he lost 100 pounds in the offseason, but he also kind of did lose like 100 pounds in the offseason. Um, I guess my question on Harden isn't like, are you happy that he got to you at 11? Obviously you are. You took him there. But how high do you think he can go here in a bounce back? Because he's not going to be the primary scorer but he is going to be the primary ball handler. So how does that all shake out? Yeah, I was I was a little surprised he fell to me there, but I was also I was I was thinking at the 11th pick, I was hoping that either Halliburton or Lillard would fall to me there. Um, that certainly didn't happen. They went fifth and eighth respectively, so that was pretty early. They surprised me, uh, especially on the Halliburton end. So I think that's kind of what helped Harden fall. I mean, he's a top five upside guy that I got at basically the end of the first round. So I'm not going to complain if he's motivated and he is in good shape. I mean, he could lose a hundred pounds if he shaved his beard. Um, <laughs> it's thickly. But, it's robust. But I'm, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely, we've seen what he can do when he's motivated and, and healthy and, and in good shape. This could be a great bounce back here for him. So it's not often that you can get a guy with top five upside at the end of the, at the end of the first round. Yeah. I always look at a player like Harden and he falls into that. How many guys on this board have ever been the number one player in fantasy? Jokic for a couple of years, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, James Harden. I think that's the list right now of guys that are still in the NBA. So to get someone who has ever been a number one guy anywhere near the end of a first round or who doesn't have the injury history of an Anthony Davis, that's a pretty damn good thing. But let's keep moving, because there isn't a whole lot more to say about Harden there. That's a pretty obvious pick. Uh, second pick of the second round, so that's 14. You went Devin Booker there, which is maybe like four or five spots before he's generally going, but obviously he's not going to get back to you in the third. And if you like him, you take him. I don't have any huge issue with Booker here. What did you like about Devin at this spot? I feel like he's incredibly safe. Uh, he's got an extremely high floor. And I really, I mean, if you look at the second round of this draft, half of the guys are guys that I will not draft this year. I won't draft Kyrie. I won't draft Anthony Davis. I won't draft uh, Kawhi Leonard. I won't draft SGA. I mean, that's a lot of guys that I'm basically ruling out right off the bat, um, which kind of limits your options a little bit. And I, I felt that Booker was the safest guy there. I, I really would prefer a higher pick somewhere in the top eight. Um, because then, like you said, Booker would probably be somewhere around for me uh, in that middle round, the middle part of the second round. Um, but I, I don't want any of those injury guys or the guys that, in Kyrie's case, could quit on the team at any moment. Yeah, um, well, he's got YouTube videos he's got to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, I, he's got a lot of exploring to do uh, to see if the world is flat or not. So it's a, it's a, it's a unique. There's a lot of guys there that are complete no nos for me, uh, and Booker is definitely not one of them. Yeah, it always ends up that way, doesn't it? Uh, four weeks ago, the second round wasn't quite this way, and then it always. I don't know why this happens. It always ends up with the second round because the I guess those guys the the middle front end of the second round that you're like oh these guys are interesting I'd like to get them there they start to slide up towards the first and then the extremely risky ones they hang out still in the second other guys kind of creep into the back end of the second round that we were all kind of hoping we'd get in the third and then all of a sudden uh the second round becomes a place that's either you're sort of hunting a guy who's not really a value or you're hunting a guy who's upside but a uh, whole lot of injury risk. I want to save time, he says, while moving on from Devin Booker, who is a very safe play, <laughs> to talk about your third-round pick. Um, because the story on Evan Mobley actually got sort of more interesting from a draft standpoint. Yahoo and their insane X ranks, they actually moved him down in their most recent iteration, which surprised the crap out of me because he's generally been going in the third round. Uh and often those X ranks tend to kind of parallel what the consensus is as you approach fantasy draft day. They dropped him all the way to 46 in their X ranks. Um, my feelings on Mobley, and I, and I, this is a spot where I feel like I want to give you like the 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 lawyer uh, mode and talk us all either into or out of whatever is going through your head. Where are the where are the big jumps for Evan? How does he get to this level? Because as awesome as he was last year, and I, I have to preface everything I say to like not make it seem like I'm denigrating a player, he still was only number 81 on a per-game basis, and he had a pretty damn good season. So where is the where are the big jumps coming? Talk me into or out of it. The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... I don't understand any concern with Mobley. The guy is, he's not, his free throw percentage isn't great, but it's not one of those, he shoots 50% from the field. So he's not going to kill you there. He's not a huge three-point guy, so okay. There are obviously adding Donovan Mitchell is big in terms of usage, um, but they were going to get either Mitchell or Sexton back anyways, so there was going to be something there. He can do so much. He's a good passer for a big man. He's excellent defensively. I had plenty of scoring with Harden and Booker. I don't I like to take forwards or centers early. I feel like guard is extremely deep as opposed to forward and center. I feel like he checked all the boxes for what I needed. I didn't need a guy who was going to score a lot. I think he could be a top 50 player as long as he stays healthy. Uh, with just a little bit more scoring and then a further jump in defensive stats because he's going to be relied upon heavily. I mean, Garland and Mitchell, are, neither of them are defensive wizards. So they're going to rely <laughs> yeah. a lot on Mobley and Allen to do the protecting and the paint there. Um, so I, I just feel like he's extremely safe and he was important for the build of my team because I'd gone two guards and two scoring guards early. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to jump over Jalen Brown because I don't have a whole lot to dig into on him, <laughs> yeah. and I'd rather spend the time on your fifth rounder, Jalen Brunson, who is so polarizing in the fantasy community this year. Some folks have him as a potential top 50. Others have him back towards 80 and 90. 
I think personally, I probably kind of split the difference on that and have him more in like the mid 60s to mid 70s range. You got him at 59 here, which is a little bit closer to the front end of that. But you and and you know, this is not like Mike Bonner apologist hour. When you're very close to the turn or on the turn, you don't really have the luxury of thinking, all right, well, you know, I can wait this out and maybe eight picks from now I'll be able to grab him coming back in the sixth round. Yeah, you you know, you've got another pick three picks later, but after that, you're not seeing anybody that's near the top of the board because then you got about a 20-pick break. Um, so you have to kind of go get your guys. Is is Brunson one of your guys? Um, because obviously he's in a brand new spot and he brings with him sweet efficiency. That's great for Roto. I'm kind of answering the question as I ask it, which is terrible, terrible podcast hosting. (laughs) But walk me through the Brunson pick here uh, because he is a really interesting name right now. I am going to deem myself the conductor of the Jalen Brunson hype train uh, because I love him this year. We saw what he could do last year when Luca was out. Obviously, he's not going to replicate that on the Knicks. You know, with RJ Barrett and Julius Randle there, he's got a lot more talent than on the Mavericks, when it was when Luca was out, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to support him there. Because remember, Tim Hardaway Jr. was also out uh, at the end of last year, so the Mavericks didn't have a whole lot. I see. I've been I've been calling him Fred Van Vliet Light, um, and this is why I think so. I think Brunson's going to average somewhere between 18, 19 points a game, three to four rebounds, six assists, one and a half threes. And the reason why I'm calling him Fred Van Vliet Light is he's not going to hit as many three-pointers, obviously, as, as Van Vliet does, but he's going to be much more of a help for your field goal percentage. He shot at least 50.2% from the field the last two seasons. That number is probably going to go down some uh, with a higher volume on the Knicks, but I could see him shooting around 48% from the field. If you're going to get that kind of efficiency out of your point guard and he does all the other things uh, that I think he'll do, I have no problem taking him in the 50s, early 50s. I think he's a top 50 player. Man, there's nothing more fun than having a guest who plants their flag in something. That was great. Yep. <laughs> I in. love it. I love I'm it. I'm all in. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is typically a guy that I am all over. I will admit I'm a little worried about him this year with Zion back. Do, do you have any of those concerns getting kind of squeezed a bit by someone who's also going to be trying to grab every rebound? Yeah, when I was going through my – uh, talking points to discuss with you with regards to my draft here. I labeled Valanciunas as my least favorite pick. Oh, all right. Uh, well, then, of, we kinda see, then we kind of see eye to eye. I mean, if we agree on that yeah, one. Yeah. The, the center spot was drying up in the draft. I, I needed a second one. I know he won't be a complete flop. Uh, I expect his points and rebounds per game to decline, obviously with Zion, and they have such a more talented roster. But could he average... 14, 15 points and eight rebounds a game. Sure. Um, and as my second center, I'm okay with that. The, the one thing I really don't like about him is he's going to give you very little in the way of blocks, uh, which hurts me there. That's building my team in retrospect. I did not address blocks or defensive stats enough. Um, but I feel like as a second center, he's not going to kill me. Uh, and I didn't like the options that were left on the board at that point. I didn't want to wait any longer. You had a pretty darn good field goal percent team. I think Harden's really your only negative there at this juncture yeah so you got that going for you and now you got a big man in Valanchunas who's also a good foul shooter uh I love attacking percentages in Roto because no one ever does people don't pay attention to that stuff all you have to do is not take guys that crush you in those 
I've been, <laughs> I've probably been needlessly cruel to Valanchunas because the last two or three years I've been so high on him on the pod that I almost feel like I have to overcompensate to make sure that people know I'm not on the JV bandwagon anymore. But what one thing you said in that answer stuck with me. He's not going to be a total flop. Yeah, he might no. lose three, four minutes a game, something like that. But, you know, Zion's not going to protect the rim. Not that Valanciunas is blocking shots, but he's giant. He's colossal. He's a terrific defensive rebounder, so he'll still get in there. He was really durable. The percentages were nice. So maybe he does tail off a couple of rounds from last year, but he was 42 last year. So tailing off a couple rounds pretty much puts him where you got him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, he's not going to be a complete disaster. And, you know, if you have more blocks, he's a really easy guy to take in that range. If you don't, I think right before you, Matt Smith took Jakob Pertl. That would have been kind of like the other big man option there who stinks at the yeah. foul line but does get defensive stats. And now I – okay, so your seventh-round pick – the, of all the picks on the board, this is the one where I just I need you to I need you to keep me from catching vomit in my mouth. I have such an awful history with Julius Randle. Uh, I I just can't I can't do it. I can't do it, man. Um, talk me off a ledge here, because the rest of yours I can I can get behind in some fashion. This one's killing me. Yeah, this was another team build situation. So I didn't like the rebounding options that I had basically only had two bigs at that point. Uh, I had Mobley and Valanchunas, a lot of guards, Harden, Booker, Brunson. Um, Brown is an okay rebounding forward. Harden is too, Again, by like, the way, just yeah, throw that in yeah, there. I, I, yeah, I, I, I just don't feel a lot. Of, I didn't feel confident in my rebounding options at that point. And I feel like Randall is at least going to help you a lot in points, rebounds and assists. He's not gonna help you anywhere else. <laughs> um, and his field goal percentage declined so much last season that it was pretty ugly. But like you had said, I had built, I had built up enough of a field goal base where I felt like I could take the hit there. Um, and if he even improves any, if he gets anywhere near close to how good he was two years ago, um, I think again, it's a low risk. I know you like to take the old safe guys. Um, I was kind of going towards some of these safer guys and I feel like Randall, while he's not going to, help you win the league he's not gonna lose it for you either especially in the seventh round you know what i i it's funny i i, I want to bring up one thing i actually think that because of the way players have i don't know why it happened this way but this season in particular the draft board has a lot of old value in the second and third right now and then the old guys late are all like kind of fine but none of them really inspire the way that there have been in the past, I'm actually more in favor this season of taking home run hacks than I have been in a really long time. And there's like a couple of guys in there where if the, some of them are not actually that old. They just have kind of like the old player stat set. If those guys <laughs> yeah. fell to me, I'd be pretty happy about it. But there's only a handful in that like 80 to 110 range that I actually think are like classic Dan Bespris loves this old dude <laughs> kind of guys. Like, <laughs> get me the bag of Werther's Originals. We're going to town on this. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it is these these very low floor, very high ceiling shot in the dark dudes. And maybe that's more fun. This might be a year where I'm a less boring fantasy drafter. Wow, I, I know, I know. And I, I kind of want to lump your... Wait, go ahead. You took, you took LeBron, Chris Paul. Yeah. 
and Kyle Lowry in this draft. So I don't, I don't think you've gone completely over the other side yet. <laughs> no, and actually, well, here's the thing. Like, uh, Lowry is one of them where if he falls yeah. to me after 100, I'm going to do it because that yeah. big big booty Kyle, like even in a really bad year, he's still top 75 per game. So there's, you know, two to three rounds of value there. And Mo Bamba fell to me in the 10th round. He wasn't a target, but then he was still there. And we're like almost 120 picks into this thing. And Bobby Portis fell to me in the 11th. I'm like, all right, well, this is another guy who's definitely going to outperform this. So I kind of didn't really have a chance to get weird in this draft. Uh, and that happens in these industry mocks because everybody else is getting weird. And then yeah. all the weird is gone. And it gets back to me. It's like, all right, well, here we go again. I guess I better do what Dan does. Um, but there are some guys keep in your there. Keep brand that, going. But I did know, take Keldon Johnson in the middle. He's yes. not old. You took OG? I, I took mean, OG. See, I got a couple. And you then took, I... You did I, all right. Yeah, I took Clay, who's very old. <laughs> yeah. a fist You're dipping your toe in the water. Yeah, it's, that's you right. You can't go head first. You got to no. ease in. Right. I'm not, I've never been a person that went off the diving board. <laughs> I walk in the, the shallow end and I take the steps. And I think, that's oh, right. yeah, this water's too cold. I'm getting out, man. <laughs> and, then I, and I go walk back under the, the canopy in the shade. And I eat my bowl of pineapple. And we just have a really lovely time. Um, let me let me talk about your last five together uh, because they are kind of your fun picks. Although, I will point out, you went as old as dirt in your very last one. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in the eighth round, you went Jabari Smith Jr., ninth, R.J. Barrett, tenth, Jeremy Grant, who kind of falls into the old stat set group. Yeah. Alex yeah. Caruso in the 11th. Now, again, not an old dude, but a little bit of an old stat set. And then Mike Conley, who is actually just a very old guy. Um, what I like to ask, ask the guests about this grouping is, first, of those five guys, who are you excited about and why? And then the follow-up's going to be kind of looking at some of the other names on the board, but I'll just go one at a time. Who of those five are you particularly excited about for this draft or even just kind of in general? So this is not because I'm a Bulls fan. <laughs> I am a Bulls fan. I think I know where but you're going. I was very, ex I was very excited to get Alex Caruso. Um, I'm not sure he's going to start with this whole Lonzo Ball injury situation. Right. And you know the the reports came out said it sounded like his surgery went well, but they still don't have a timeline for his return. I don't think we're going to see Lonzo Ball play until the calendar turns to 2023. Uh, I I don't think he's going to play the first three months of the season. Uh, they signed Goran Dragic uh, to help provide depth at point guard. They've got IO. I think Dragic has a chance to start. I think they like bringing Caruso off the bench just because he can play so many different positions. I mean, he was playing power forward at times last year and he was doing it well. I remember a game against the Bucks where he was guarding Giannis and he actually held his own. It was kind of crazy. I mean, he only did it for a couple minutes, um, but he did it pretty well. The way I was building this team, as I told you, I kind of did not do too well with the defensive categories early on, and I feel like Caruso is an excellent option for steals. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for steals later in the gra uh, in your draft. Jeremy Grant, not a bad option man. defensively either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of was hoping to fill a couple holes there, and then I had no intention of taking Mike Connolly Jr. I generally try <laughs> to stay away from a lot of the guys in the tanking teams that are not, like, super young guys. Um, because there's obviously a chance that Conley could sit if he's not traded before the season starts. He could just, there's could be long stretches where he doesn't play, especially late in the season. But 
with my last pick, if I get a good couple months out of him to start the season, that's worth it for your last pick. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say there too, because especially in Roto where you just bank it, you know, it's your game's yep. cap. You get 20, 30 good games out of him. That's really all you can ask out of somebody you're drafting near 140, whatever the hell it would be here. I didn't do the math. In the in the 130s, I guess, 11, what, 133, something like that, yeah. 134. Um yeah, that's that's all you want is like a top tier medium range streamer at that point. Because I, I mean, I look at this twelfth round, and I mean, what do you think? One, maybe two of these guys is on a roster halfway through the year. So that's all you're looking yeah. for at that point. You're yeah. you're not going to find many full season games cap friendly types. Because I mean, head to head. Sometimes there is value in having a guy who's like a top 115 but is playing every single day because, you know, at least they're like getting their three or four games every week. In Roto, you just, you kind of don't want that. You want guys that are that are pushing your team forward. You want to maximize what you get out of every game played. So I don't hate it. I mean, you got this old dude, but if he gives you a little bit for a little time, there you go. And now, by the way, you didn't talk about Jabari Smith Jr. at all. What what was the feeling there? Because you got him a little earlier than these other guys. Uh, he could be interesting this year. I, you know me and my weird rookie stuff, but I am trying to soften a bit on rookie <laughs> rookie bigs. He's not a traditional big, but he is a front court yeah. guy. Um, what do you think we get out of Jabari Smith Jr. this year? I think it'll be a fairly smooth transition for him simply because he's going to be playing on such a young team. Um, I think that will be a good environment for him just playing with a lot of young guys and, you know, not really worrying about defense. Let's get up. Let's get some <laughs> shots. Let's get some shots up here. Yeah. Uh, he'll be a good source of three pointers, um, you know, out of the power forward spot that late in the draft. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he averages, you know, 15 and five with a couple threes a game. That's, that's not bad um, to get that late in the draft. Yeah. And he's not a bad shooter just in the sort of yeah. traditional sense for a big man, not a horrible free throw shooter, not a terrible actual shooter. Uh, those are the rookies that tend to get somewhere near value or the ones that are not destroying you in percentages or turnovers um, because the ones that are terrible in those have a really tough time kind of overcoming that stuff. What about, yeah. and some may call them sleepers, you know me and my my endless and, and foolhardy quest to come up with another name for it. Uh, who are the guys towards the end that maybe you were kind of hoping would get to you in this league but didn't? Yeah, I've gotten rid of the sleepers term, and I just go with undervalued players now. Yeah, uh, I ran like, like you remember when I ran this like sixty-four name poll, and then I sort of forgot <laughs> yeah. to finish it. So now we can call him whatever the hell we want. Uh, Matt Smith likes to call him Smitties, which of course would be a play on his own name. I think Ruffies <laughs> did pretty well in that poll competition. Right. So like Diamond in the Rough sort of deal. Ruffies. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, whatever you want to call him, have at it. Who are your rookies? Yeah, I, I mean, one of my favorite guys to target, and I missed him here, um, and I wish I had gotten him, was Trey Jones of the Spurs. He's moving up uh, drafts and a couple other ones that I've done. I really like him for the Spurs this year. They have basically nobody there. He was really good as a starter, uh, fill-in starter last year. He's going to start this year. He's going to play 30 minutes a game. And what I really like about him is uh, he doesn't turn the ball over much. Um, which is big if you're playing in a nine-category league. I was looking at the stats. I believe in his 11 games as a starter last year, he only averaged 1.1 turnovers a game. That's pretty uh, remarkable yeah, for a young it, player. Yeah, he, so I, I do have my notes here. He, 
He had averaged uh, seven and a half assists and 1.1 turnovers in the 11 games that he started. There's a little bit um, of like a Monte Morris thing going on yes. there. Of some assists, like not many turnovers, not going to blow you away with the counting stats, but just like young player efficiency that's kind of hard to come by. Well, lucky for you, Yahoo is completely obliterating any value there. They moved him up to 91 on their last board. Oh. From, I think he was in like the oh. 150 range. So he went from yeah. not not evident to now someone's probably just going to auto him in one of your leagues by accident. So you're going to have to get yeah. him a little earlier than you would, even four days ago, truly. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Was there another name or was that? Was that <laughs> I jumped yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, he was the top one. I, I would say another one um, that I like is Kelly Olenek now that he's on the Jazz uh, I was big on on Kessler simply because they didn't have anybody else at center, and I thought he'd be a great guy for blocks at the end of your draft. Um, getting Olenek now, I think, uh, is going to make that a bit of a logjam for Kessler. I, I, he may not start. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Olenek start. Again, might be a guy who, towards the end of the season, he's getting rest days. Maybe they flip him at the trade deadline and send him to a contending team. I'm sure they probably would love to do that and get another draft pick. Uh, but he's a guy that I think that can help you out early in the season. Um, and then maybe you just want to sell high on him. I like point. it. Yeah, I like that strategy. And it's one that I probably don't talk about enough on this pod, which is trying to grab guys at the end of a draft in particular that are going to get you off to a quick start. Um, and we don't know if that's going to be the case for Olenek, but it will likely be the case for Conley if he's still there. And yeah, you're not even expecting these dudes to be useful at the halfway point of the season. But if you have the right expectations, it it sure makes it a lot easier mentally to kind of prepare yourself. All right, this is a guy that I'm going to have for this amount of time. I'm just going to treat him like sort of a long-term streamer. And when it's when that moment comes, then you're just sort of ready to move on. Uh, my listeners know I love to talk about the mental side of things. And that particular strategy is uh, really useful in any format. You know, like you want to get off to a quick start, win some head-to-head battles. Roto, you want to use whatever games you can early on productive guys because you don't know when someone's going to get hurt. And there's just all kinds of things that can go wrong. So I, I love it. That's, I'm glad you brought up both Conley and Olenek. They both went in the last round of this. Admittedly, we only did 12 rounds because, look, I tortured you guys for three and a half days. We didn't need, <laughs> we didn't need to go another um, but that's a that's a strategy that that kind of hadn't been brought up, and I'm really glad you did. And that strategy also officially moves you out of the hot seat. How you feeling? You all right? Did I did I I didn't warm you too much? Nope, no, I did all right. Yeah, you know, luckily I had a little experience with this doing with you last year, <laughs> so I I was ready. I had enough water here. I'm yeah. good to go. Well, you know, I always ask the the real hard hitting questions. Only curveballs here on Fantasy right. NBA today. I just well, what I want to do with this is give analysts an opportunity to present their case. I, I I really want to try to come in mostly unbiased, and I think there's always an opportunity to learn something. Again, like on this one alone, we talked about uh, Brunson, who I hadn't talked about all that much lately. We talked about Caruso, I hadn't talked about that much lately. This idea of uh, drafting guys who can get off to a quick start even on a tanking team that's the beauty of it you don't come in with with a preconception of what you want to do uh, with the players with the show whatever and and it takes you a pretty good spot but regardless um uh, roto can i call you roto sure yeah call okay don't call me late for dinner right that's the old dad joke roto it's such a nice pleasure to have you 
<laughs> I'm going to keep this up all season long. He is, of course, at Roto Mike Barner. Mike, thank you as always, my man. I really, I'm going to try harder to have actual guests on a show this year. And there's a guest. My, my two-year-old is a guest on this particular hit. Um, but can we do this again soon? Yes, of course. I appreciate you having me on. First name Roto. Last name Barner. Middle name Mike. Big thank you, as always. We had a little bit of fun there. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, as we work our way through the industry mock draft, of course, this week is going to be filled with it. We will likely have uh, Matt Smith, I think, coming up on tomorrow's show. Um, Jonas Nader will be coming up at some point this week. Matt Straup, those two gentlemen over at Roto World NBC Sports Edge, they're coming up this week. Matt, of course, at BBM. Um I don't have all five days lined up in exact order. Uh, I know that I'm recording with a ton, a ton of human beings this week. I don't know exactly what order they're going to come to you. But uh, Strap, of course, who was not in the industry mock, he was on a plane when we started that, so we couldn't get him in there. Uh, so we'll just talk about general fantasy stuff. We also want to get Brew on the show at some point. That'll probably be this week. And then hopefully weekly this season, we'll be able to move back towards that. Uh, also, some very cool new stuff over at the Sports Ethos YouTube page. I joined forces with Steve Vitovich, our director of content, to bring you steals and busts as we work through each round of the draft. We've done the first two rounds as of right now, uh, likely to get rounds three and four videos up at some point later on today. David Williams, uh, it's they're sort of like a, a Wheel of Fortune category. David Williams and William Harris, so David Williams Harris, uh, they put together a Fantasy 101 YouTube video on how to win a head-to-head -head league. So that'll be for folks that are uh, a little bit less experienced. A lot of cool stuff going on over there. NFL live shows every Sunday. Brew and I will get our live shows fired back up. We're going to have baseball shows next year. We're going to have a ton more on the basketball side. Video stuff here at Sports Ethos coming in full force. I am at Dan Bespris once again on Twitter. I would, I don't want to say beg, but I would strongly encourage you all to find me over there. And I want to remind everybody, subscribers, pro question and answer thread is not in Discord this year. It is in the forums, back in the Sports Ethos forums, which are back up off the ground after kind of lying dead for two years. So question and answer stuff in the forums. And if you have any other questions on your membership, please do hit me up on that front. Also, last couple days before Sports Ethos leagues start drafting. So if you want to get in any of those, Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. We are recruiting. Also bug me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Lots of reason for you guys to reach out to me on social media. Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. Our tour of amazing industry pros continues tomorrow, and I will talk to you then. <laughs>